Of all God's creatures, none inspires terror in the heart of man so much as the frightful chimpanzee. Truly a more grotesque creature one could not even approach imagining. Yet, in this story, one of these loathsome apes is granted the power of speech. What would such a monster have to say if given the chance? Listen and find out. Professor Yevgeny Ivanovich Kalashnik. Me, Pierre, world's smartest chimpanzee. Perhaps you hear of Pierre, famous talking ape, live in Cambridge University. You read about Pierre in newspaper, hear interview on radio. But you not know real story. You not know detail Pierre troubled beginnings. You not know Pierre thoughts and feelings. Pierre tell you. Pierre born year 1928. Moscow Zootechnic Institute. Pierre Berth, Great Experiment, Professor Yevgeny Ivanovich Kalashnik. At this juncture, it might be prudent to make my own brief introduction and to praise the unusual circumstances to which this remarkable document owes its existence. Permit me, if you will, to momentarily commandeer Pierre's narration so as to provide essential background. My name is Professor Yevgeny Ivanovich Kalashnik. Throughout the early decades of the 20th century, I practiced experimental biology in a great many storied and respected institutions throughout the tumultuous land of Russia, and latterly in the comparative stability of the United Kingdom until the outbreak of the current war. Pierre, as he has indicated here, was my greatest experiment conceived though he was in the stultifying atmosphere of the Moscow Zootechnic Institute, once a golden palace of biological inquiry, reduced by the late twenties to a glorified knacker's yard, of which more shortly. Experiment make world's smartest chimpanzee. As soon Pierre born, results show, Pierre different other chimp. How? Pierre rejected by mother. Mother not feed Pierre. Mother not hold Pierre. Mother act like Pierre not exist. While it may cause in the lay reader a tremendous sadness to hear of Pierre's mother callously discarding her young, it must be noted that rejection of the offspring, especially in the artificial habitat of captivity, is not unheard of. At any rate, Pierre's mother, having gestated and successfully delivered her son, ceased to be of any further use to the experiment. She shall not be referred to again. One question I am asked more than any other with regards to my great experiment, and in a way it is the only question anyone ought to ask of any scientific work, is why? It is a question to which the answer given drastically differs depending on who is asking. If the inquirer is the People's Commissar of Enlightenment and the experiment's funding relies on it, the answer is, of course, 
to support the theories of Darwinism, thus contradicting the teachings of the Church and serving as Bolshevik anti-religious propaganda. If, however, the question is posed by the Academy of Sciences, then the answer is to provide invaluable information to illuminate further the origins of man, as well as a number of related problems from fields such as heredity, embryology, pathology, and comparative psychology. But these are retroactive justifications, reverse-engineered from the true reasoning which is at the heart of all scientific experimentation. Why? To see if I could do it, and what would happen. So Pierre be adopted by Professor Kalashnik. Professor take Pierre in arm, feed milk from bottle. Professor treat Pierre like son. Pierre life much better then. And how my so-called colleagues, my supposed comrades, derided me. How they laughed when I wore the infant Pierre upon my person in a sling. How they jeered when I changed his napkins. They considered it beneath the duties of a scientist to perform any act exuding the faintest whiff of maternity. And yet, what manner of experiments were these great scholars conducting which were so much more dignified than mine? Let us see. There was Nikolai Petrovich Petrov trying to breed glow-in-the-dark earthworms so that gardeners might work at night-time. There was Alexei Ilyich Popovich and his many hens. He wanted to induce them to lay eggs with a rubberized shell that would not crack in transportation. And, of course, there was Vasily Vasilyevich Yusupov, my rival since university, who had, for decades, been attempting to breed a real-life unicorn. These men, it was said, were the finest biologists in the whole USSR, and yet not a day passed when they did not find time to poke their sneering heads into my facility and cackle like fishwives at my work. Why, Yevgeny Ivanovich, they would say, how goes the monkey-sitting? Always they would call Pierre monkey, knowing full well that he is an ape. Look, Yevgeny Ivanovich, we have brought you a present, they told me one day, before handing me a neatly wrapped parcel topped with a red bow. I unwrapped it only to find a lady's kitchen pinafore, on which had been delicately embroidered the words, Beloved Mamochka. While I beheld the garment frowning deeply, they fell about in paroxysms of wheezing laughter. How pretty you will look now, stirring borscht upon the stove, cried hated Yusupov. Of course, it was I who would have the last laugh, as within the next few years they would all three be arrested and exiled to the darkest corners of the USSR. Let this be a lesson, reader. Experiment involved test Pierre intelligence. Professor discover early how smart Pierre. Pierre solve problem, use tools same as chimpanzee much older. Pierre play noughts and crosses, win 50% of time. Pierre listen Mozart symphony, nod head stroke chin. All before one year old. But when Pierre 13 months, big change. Pierre say first word. Izum, Russian for raisin. Pierre not sign like other so-called intelligent ape, but speak word. Big celebration in institute. Professor give Pierre more raisin know what do. From day forth, Pierre learns speak like human child. Institutes say Pierre be smartest chimpanzee whole world, so Pierre ought see whole world. 
Pierre and Professor Kalashnik go on journey. Academy Science Soviet Union select Professor and Pierre visit Cambridge University, England. Before trip, Professor fret. Spend long time pack suitcase, not know what bring. Pierre not bring anything. Pierre still only one year old. Leave Moscow, fly in aeroplane England. Professor and Pierre not alone. Team KGB agent come with, follow everywhere. At university, Professor sneak around, carry Pierre, hide from KGB. Professor ask university stay forever, seek asylum. KGB bang at door, try make Professor leave. But Professor not leave, Pierre not leave. Eventually KGB fly home, Professor and Pierre stay. Professor tell Pierre can never go back, never see institute again. Good, Pierre say. The average Briton will not need clarification on the deficiencies of the Bolshevik ideology, but the harsh realities of life under the system, in my experience, remain unfamiliar to denizens of the first world. The so-called cultural revolution, while claiming to hold science in the highest regard, in fact engendered suspicion of my colleagues and I, on the grounds that we were bourgeois specialists, fusty remnants of the old world. Arriving at Cambridge, I found myself for the first time in many years in a place where my expertise and experience was venerated rather than begrudged, and any doubts I had held about my planned defection were smoothly assuaged. University so impressed Pierre, world's smartest chimpanzee not even two years old, invite Pierre and Professor live work there. Pierre have whole room himself, own bed, draw pictures, pin on wall. I soon settled into British academic life as comfortably as if I had been born into it. In addition to continuing to raise and monitor Pierre in the university facilities, I had agreed to earn my keep by giving lectures for students. I was rewarded in this arrangement with access to a luxurious leather-bound office, the perfect place in which to indulge in the twin professorial pleasures, the smoking of thick, woody tobacco from a well-seasoned briar pipe, and the drinking of fine-aged scotch, savoury and pungent as bog water, from a delicate crystal tumbler. From the window behind my desk, I could look out upon a quadrangle of damp English grass in the centre of a square of ancient stone buildings, and puff and sip and sip and puff until my soul was warm and toasty. It was in this room that I instructed Pierre in the English language, and thusly made one of the more fruitful discoveries of the great experiment. Compared to a human child, Pierre progressed in language learning rapidly, much as he did in physical growth. However, unlike a human, the extent of his verbal skills soon found a flaw beyond which any further escalation was so slight as to be unobservable. Pierre's vocabulary and syntactical ability expanded quickly, then ceased to grow whatsoever beyond a limited point. The document you now read, though written by a Pierre of twelve, does not differ stylistically in any way whatsoever from his speech at four. Doubtless those oafs at the Moscow Zootechnic Institute would be quick to point this out, to which I would ask them how eloquently any of their apes speak. Oh, oh, that's right, I would mockingly recall. They don't have any speaking apes whatsoever. How I would laugh at them then. 
At university, Pierre have constant visitors. Other scientists hear of talking chimp, want come speak with Pierre, ask Pierre much things. Does Pierre like England? Pierre think it fine. What Pierre favourite food? Raisin. Pierre think communism good idea? Pierre not know what that mean. Would Pierre like raisin? Yes, please. Visitors bring Pierre many gifts, toys and sweets and books. Sometimes Pierre may do strange tests. Scientists put wires on Pierre, make Pierre exercise, show Pierre picture, ask how Pierre feel. One scientist wants stick needle in Pierre, take blood out. Professor Kalashnik draw line at that. Pierre relieved. All along, university want invite journalist meet Pierre, tell people of world. Professor Kalashnik say no, say Pierre too young, need privacy. Pierre not mind talking anyone, say want talk journalist, but professor say no long time. Then one day, professor change mind at last. It might be more accurate, rather, to say that my arm was, at last, violently twisted. Since welcoming me into their employ, the university had been hinting that they wished to go public with my miraculous ape, and that such an arrangement would be highly lucrative. Not wanting the unnatural stresses of publicity to interfere with my experiment, I continually declined. For years these unpleasant negotiations dragged on, it was only when the university bigwigs called into question my loyalty and suggested that my reluctance indicated an unwavering rejection of capitalism that I was forced to relent. Let me make one thing sparklingly clear. I love capitalism. Every minute of every day I am grateful to live freely under it, be I selecting which brand of chocolate to purchase or reading of the technological marvels whose innovation it has incentivized. I consider myself an Englishman through and through, from cranium to cuneiform. If anybody tells you that Yevgeny Ivanovich Kalashnik is a Bolshe, you may consider him a liar, or else deleteriated of sanity. University invite journalist. Journalist ask much question, write down in notebook. Take photo, Pierre, big camera. Photo appeared next day, front page newspaper. Whole article about Pierre. Here article. Muscovite monkey speaks! Visitors to Cambridge University's zoological department on Monday were astonished to meet and converse with an ape gifted with the power of human speech. Pierre, as the creature is named, is, to observe, a quite ordinary infant specimen of Pantroglobitis, or the common household chimpanzee albeit one clad in the kind of darling little sailor's outfit that today's fashionable tot is wearing. However, Pierre is in fact the result of an experimental bleeding regimen intended to produce an ape of near-human level cognition. It might be fair to judge the experiment a success, as Pierre proved quite the conversationalist. Speaking in a clear, if throaty, baritone, the little fellow could be heard to say, Pierre love England, God save King. At the age of seven, an adolescent in chimpanzee years, Pierre has all the interests and attitudes of a healthy and happy British lad. He has a fondness for boiled sweets and looks forward each week to reading the tales in several of the popular boys' magazines. 
The man responsible for the experiment, one Professor Eugene Kalachnik, late of the Moscow Zootechnical Institute, defected from the USSR with Pierre on a trip to Cambridge in 1926 and describes the decision as the wisest he's ever made. In Stalin's Russia, Kalachnik said, the scientist is no longer trusted. My work is in the best interest of humanity. If we can endow an ape with the abilities of a man, who is to say what abilities we will soon be able to give man himself? When asked whether he felt more like a chimp or a man, Pierre replied, Pierre special chimp, Pierre smartest chimp in whole world, please give raisin. That only Pierre's first appearance in news. Soon, Pierre appear every newspaper in country. Professor drive Pierre to London, visit Broadcasting House, give interview on BBC. Pierre talk into microphone. Country hear Pierre voice first time. Interviewer ask Pierre sing. Pierre only know words one song, so Pierre sing. Stavai proklatchem zaklemoni vesmir golodniki rabov. Then Professor Kalashnik pull Pierre away from microphone, say Pierre tired now, cannot sing. After Pierre talk on radio, more visitors than ever. Pierre meet much famous people. Pierre meet Charlie Chaplin, man from moving picture. When Pierre meet, Chaplin not have moustache and hat. Chaplin look like normal man. Very disappointment. Pierre meet two prime minister, Stanley Baldwin and Neville Chamberlain. Not at same time. Pierre meet Queen Elizabeth and daughter, Princess Margaret and Princess also Elizabeth. Always famous people happy to see Pierre. Always Pierre happy to see famous people. I did not enjoy those latter years at the university, once the poison of fame had been introduced to Pierre's system and flowed indecently through his veins. Celebrity did not interest me, nor has it ever. It is anathema to scientific progress. Pierre love life, Cambridge University. But war come ruin everything. When war come, university tell professor cannot live there anymore. War mean professor lab take over by government. Professor room and Pierre room turn into room for soldier. Pierre sad, but professor tell Pierre, it okay, professor buy cottage next river. So professor and Pierre move. Over the course of my decade-long tenure at the university, I had amassed more than enough capital to purchase a fine home on the banks of the River Cam. I took the outbreak of war and my subsequent inauspicious sacking as a sign to retire from academia altogether. I resolved to rededicate my efforts fully to the study of Pierre and his progress. In addition, I ensured our continued financial turgidity by going into business as a breeder of Samoyed dogs. Within four generations, I had the strongest and healthiest kennel in the country, and likely Europe. I assure you, you've never seen such well-tempered and attractive dogs. In cottage, no one visit Pierre. Pierre not meet journalist, talk on radio. Professor say it for best, but it take getting used to. One thing help is pups. Pierre love pups, feed them, walk them every day. Sometimes one pup leave and Pierre sad, but sometimes new pups born and Pierre happy. So Pierre get used to cottage life, but miss fame. So Pierre have good idea, write true story life. Pierre like read, know much words, not just look at pictures. 
Pierre tell Professor good idea. Professor agree good idea. Next day, Professor give Pierre present. Brand new typewriter. Pierre learn type write poem. Here first poem. B B B B B B B B B semicolon. L K L K L L L K M comma comma period. Four seven Y Y T R F F F F F Z Z Z Z Z E O V A N V C C one 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 two. Professor say first poem much impressionistic. Later Pierre learn type words. Here second poem. Pierre love professor. Pierre love pups. Pierre love raisin. Pierre love cups. Pierre like cups, but not really love. Professor say write cups because cups rhyme pups. Rhyme make better poem. During war, professor listen radio more than ever. Professor always look worry. Big eyebrows point down. Pierre not worry. Everything fine. One day knock at cottage door. Pierre open. Old man at door. Pierre not recognize, but old man recognize Pierre. Oh, say old man. Pierre, tu pomnish menya? Pierre not speak many Russian. Pierre say. Of course, say old man. Pierre only baby in Russia. Pierre much grown now. Pierre remember me, Professor Yusupov, Moscow Zoo Technic Institute. Who is at door? Say Professor Kalashnik from inside house. Then come out see old man. Do my eyes deceive me? I said upon seeing my colleague, the first person to have known me in my youth. I had met since leaving Russia. Can it really be? It is I, Evgeny Ivanovich, and no other. After saying this, my old rival's lip began to quiver, and silver tears appeared in the corners of his doleful eyes. I was shocked by his emotion, having never taken Yusupov for a sentimentalist, and further astonished to find that my own lip was shaking, my own eyes were brimming with brine. Come here, Vasily Vasilievich, and let me embrace you. And embrace we did. Professors hug and cry. Old man Yusupov come inside. Over the next few hours, we shared first a pot of strong tea, then a bottle of vodka, and Yusupov caught me up on his life since my defection. As mentioned above, my fellow elder scientists at the Moscow Zoo Technic Institute were arrested by KGB soon after my departure. A cabal of the laboratory's youthful underlings had accused them of forming a counter-revolutionary organization, a transparent effort to clear the institute's upper echelons and usurp their esteemed positions. Once convicted, they were exiled, each to separate, remote locations. Yusupov was sent to Kazakhstan, where he remained imprisoned for a little over two years. Once freed, he returned to Moscow, and the institute allowed him to resume his employment in a demoted position, working beneath the very people who had sent him to prison. Eventually, luck stroked him, and in 1935 he was granted permission, along with half a dozen other institute employees, to attend the 12th International Congress of Zoology in Lisbon. Shortly after arriving, the entire party fled. At last, a free man. Yusupov made his way to Paris, where he found work as an equine veterinarian at the Hippodrome de Longchamp. 
Here he stayed until war broke out, at which point he felt it wise to remove himself from the continent, and made quickly for Calais. Though he arrived in England in the autumn of 1939, it was close to a year before Yusupov made up his mind to visit me. The reason being, as he confided in me, a deep sense of shame over our troubled relationship back in Moscow. Many times that day, he would interrupt his recollections to chastise himself for our former rivalry. Oh, what a bore I was, Yevgeny Ivanovich! Can you ever forgive me? You were not solely to blame, Vasily Vasilievich, I would reply, though secretly I knew that he was. It was unimportant now. Professor and Yusupov talk whole of day. Pierre take Pop's walk. Come back. Professor and Yusupov still talk. Sun go down. Still talk. Pierre not understand talk. Pierre go to room. Work on true life story. Late at night, Yusupov come Pierre room. Yusupov cry again. Look at Pierre strangely. You such little monkey then. Yusupov say. Where have time gone? Pierre not monkey, Pierre say. Pierre chimp. Common misconception. Of course, Yusupov say. Yusupov know this. It's just what we used to call Pierre around lab. Little monkey man. Not just monkey, not just man. Pierre not monkey, not man, Pierre say. Pierre chimp. Pierre smartest chimp whole world. Pierre not be shame, Yusupov say, though Yusupov know man can be shameful thing to be. What Yusupov mean? Yusupov sit Pierre bed, close eyes like sleepy. So what if Pierre half chimp, half man? Pierre whole Pierre. What Yusupov mean? Yusupov look worry. Oh, Yusupov put foot in mouth now. Kalashnik never tell Pierre. Kalashnik Pierre father. Kalashnik not say, but everybody in lab know. Pierre very special. Then Yusupov fall asleep, Pierre bed. I must first say this. I never made love to a chimpanzee. You must dismiss that vile notion from your mind this instant, or else it will be impossible to go any further. Yusupov, drunken, boorish Yusupov, told no lie. My great experiment was not, as Pierre believed, and as I told the zoological community of Cambridge and the British press, to breed the world's smartest chimpanzee. That would be a fool's errand. Of all heritable traits, intelligence is the most elusive, as many a scientist with a dope of a son too interested in football and apple scrumping to learn even the most elementary theorem will tell you. No, the true unprecedented nature of Pierre's progeniture was the successful hybridization of ape and human. He is Homo apiens, man troglodytus. Pierre is the world's first human Z. And I, his father? One might say, of course I raised him from birth, I fed him, changed him, taught him everything he knew. If that doesn't make one a father, then what does? And yes, I provided the seed myself, so too am his father in the most literal sense. But I reiterate, I never made love to a chimpanzee. 
no matter what Vasily Vasilievich Yusupov might have you believe. Pierre not know what do then. Meaning Pierre life turn upside. If Pierre chimpanzee, Pierre world's smartest chimpanzee. But if Pierre man, Pierre not smart man at all. Pierre not know right little words go middle big words. Pierre not read big books, no pictures. Pierre not play piano. Pierre not solve crossword puzzle. Pierre idiot. Pierre look self mirror. Pierre barely twelve, but fur thin and patchy like chimpanzee forty years. Pierre face not wrinkle like young chimpanzee, but smooth like young human. Professor tell Pierre, every chimp different, some chimp more wrinkled than other. Professor lie to Pierre whole life. Pierre look at Professor, sleep on sofa, drink much vodka with Yusupov. Pierre so angry. Pierre decide leave Professor, leave cottage. Pierre pack typewriter in case, bring manuscript, true life story. Before Pierre leave, Pierre go pups kennels. Pierre open cages, let pups out cottage. Pups run free wherever like, no leash. Pierre walk away cottage into trees. Pierre never see Professor again. Thus ends the autobiography of Pierre Yevgenovich Kalashnik. I was able to recover the majority of my dogs, much of the kennel having stayed outside the cottage waiting patiently for breakfast, and most of the stragglers returning of their own volition throughout the week. I could, however, find no trace of Pierre, and my calls for information in the surrounding towns and villages yielded no sightings. Wretched Yusupov, arising late in the morning after our reunion, had little recall of his loose tongue, and bid me farewell that afternoon amid my increasingly frantic search. I did not come to fully understand what had occurred until, around a month after Pierre's departure, I received through the post the document you have just read. The envelope had been addressed by typewriter, with no return included. The typeface matches Pierre's manuscript, but it is a standard one found on the majority of machines throughout the country. I expect, once this story, including my annotations, is published, to receive a mixture of reactions, shock and disgust being doubtlessly present in fair numbers. This is a Christian nation, after all, but I have committed no crime, and ethically my only misdeed is a lie of omission. Pierre is many things. He is animal and man at once. He is creative and thoughtful, perhaps to a fault. He is the smartest chimpanzee in the world, and no trifling matter of DNA can prove otherwise. <laughs>